South Africans commemorate their second youth day under the COVID-19 lockdown. This day remembers Soweto uprising of 16 June 1976, with student leaders in African schools organized protest after a directive from the then Bantu Education Department that Afrikaans had to be used on an equal basis with English as a language of instruction in secondary schools. In this special Youth Day podcast, we speak to one of the prominent leaders of the Fees Must Fall movement, Mtebo Tlameni, Managing Director of a youth policy think tank, Youth Lab, Paul Pillay, and a political analyst, T.K. Powe, about whether there is a leadership vacuum in the youth space. Tlameni says there is a leadership vacuum among the youth, especially with regards to activism. Over the years, young people have uh, given up on politics. We see the decline of participation of young people into politics and, and, and mostly the national dialogue. Now, for the longest of time, since 1994, I think there was that illusion or defeat that said to young people, we are free. Now, young people then divorced in terms of participation. You know, they haven't been taken part. That's why they've been called born free, Mandela freedom, the lost generation. But we saw that change in uh, 2015 up to this date. We saw the rise of consciousness and activism after the, the higher education protest and stuff like that. Pillay, who works for an organization that seeks to improve youth capacity and mainstream youth participation in community building and policy making, says there's no leadership vacuum and youth are ready to contribute to building society. However, she says there's a lot of political gatekeepers. I don't think there's a leadership vacuum at all. I think if we think about leaders of young people as young people themselves. Um, We are not short of amazing young people who are very willing and able and ready um, to take up the mantle to, you know, um, contribute to building society, to improving the state of youth in this country. The problem I think we do have is that we have a lot of big political gatekeepers, and that happens across the spectrum. So whether we're thinking about um, government and the policymaking space or the public service, whether we're thinking about business or civil society, um, in in every sphere of South African society where we expect young people, where we ask, you know, where are the young people, um, what you'd often find is, is the older generation refusing to relinquish any kind of power and open up the space for young people to be able to lead and to be able to um, take charge of what our future looks like. And so I think that's where the leadership vacuum is, um, is that we do not have an environment that is enabling of young people to be able to take up space and to be able to, you know, contribute in more meaningful ways. Um, But in terms of young people themselves, I know in the work that we've done at Youth Lab over, you know, many years now, um, and the work that we've done with other organizations as well, we have seen across every single province in this country um, just amazing young people who have 
a great vision for what they want this country to be like and see themselves in being able to affect the change but are not being met with the right opportunities and resources. African Transformation Movement is the only political party in parliament that is led by a young person. Bowe says political leadership is a disaster all around. However, young people are rising in the private sector, media and higher education spaces. I guess it's, it's, it's a big question because I think what normally when, when people ask this question, the, the, the normal assumption, which is correct, is that we always go to political leadership. And on, on that regard, I think, look, uh, in boxing there's a term, they use the tail of the tape, which is to say if we were to look at key indicators which youth are worried about, which is, you know, the quality of education, employment, and also the, the, the bridging gap between rural and the urban divide in South Africa, especially for African and black youth, we, I think uh, the, the matrix failure has been quite a disaster. So if we had to use those metrics to just measure political leadership, especially youth leadership, I'd say it's a disaster all around. However, if you actually had to look at, the, I guess, what maybe rely more on anecdotal things, if you look at the way the workforce is changing, if you look at certain areas in South Africa where by virtue of look at the demographics of South Africa, you're finding a lot of young people in the private sector, in the media space, and even in higher education who are coming through. And I'd say that, look, it looks like a good crop of, young potential leaders expanded outside of politics. So it just depends which youth sector you're looking at, because I, I might make the argument that when I go home to the township and you see little businesses being started, it's mostly by young people. And I, I'd assume that, listen, that's a good metric to say that's a young, good leader, someone who's taking initiative in the community. If I look at my own institution where there's lots of uh, young lecturers who are coming through who are tackling, you know, big issues uh, concerning South Africa. So I think it just depends where you're looking at. If you're asking for a general observation, politically, I think there are big problems. But if you're saying where the majority of South Africans are, I think we all know what needs to be done. Maybe the bigger issues try to clap together to make sure that these big issues are tackled. With a total of 51 or 11 percent out of 446 MPs being youth, Dlamini says the older leaders are not mentoring the younger leaders and are clinging on to power, which prevents young people from taking up leadership roles. Young people are depressed. Young people are frustrated. These old people have created a bunch of hungry youth that must sing for Sata, young people that must defend the indefensible, young people who must then divorce their thinking into being praise singers. The only time young people speak is when they shout that so-and-so is a leader, so-and-so is a leader, a leader, so-and-so. They are singing for SAP because if they don't do that, they will be sidelined. They won't be deployed. They won't work. They won't have anything. That's the vacuum that has been created. Now, these current leaders of the, the old people, they were mentors. They are leaders that were produced by seniors themselves. They were people who nurtured them. They are people who molded them, but they are not molding the, the, the young people now so that they can cling into power for the longest of time, so that their positions are not threatened by the youth. Yes, there is a decline in the quality of youth activism and leadership in South Africa because leaders need to be molded. Leaders need to be nurtured. Who's nurturing them? 
who are their role models? Can we say as young people we have role models in any of the current leaders? I doubt. Because even today, we still look to Nelson Mandela as our role model. We still look to Steve Biko. We still look to Chris Hani. We still look to uh, uh, Robert Sobukwe. Then it then says that there is a problem with the current leaders. They are no longer inspiring confidence. They are no longer inspiring Pile says there needs to be more cooperation in the youth development space and more cooperation between government and young people to end the hostile attitude government leaders has towards them. I think that we need to create a culture of more cooperation. Um, I think for a really long time, um, people view, especially the youth development space, as just a space to build careers and a space to use as a political playground to be able to advance politically, you know, in other areas. And what that means is that we don't often get to work together and that's across the board, right? So I'm in civil society and civil society organizations um, generally struggle with forging, you know, meaningful partnerships and supplementing and supporting each other's work. But also I think that there's a big responsibility, here I talk about government specifically, to reach across the table and actually engage young people and youth organizations in a more meaningful way. I think a lot of what we've seen, specifically in kind of the last five years, and and probably well before that, even, you know, youth development space has existed long before, (laughs) you know, we entered the space, but to the the ways in which young people are treated specifically by government is there's a big fear around, you know, what are they going to do if we give them power, if we give them opportunity, and a very big misunderstanding about what young people are about. And we hear that in the way our leaders talk about young people, right? So I know a few years ago, when we had a, a, a group of young people in Parliament for the first time, one of the comments was, oh, you know, but Parliament is not a crash. And so there's a very condescending and a very hostile attitude that is given towards young people. And the ways in which I think we begin to undo that or begin to resolve that is by working together more, you know, for people who have power and who have resources to actually think about the value that young people can bring and and take that and use it meaningfully. So young people are more than just you know, tokens and decorations for conferences and and meetings, you know, um, we actually do have something to say and something to contribute. And there needs to be a, a, a bigger valuing of the role that young people can play so that we can be, begin to actually just work together and get things done. Bowe says the political leadership vacuum is caused by the system and government focusing on other priorities other than youth issues. I say it's, it's a system. Uh, and by the system, I mean, you have to look at what government prioritizes and what stems from it. it, it I mean, just, just a quick read of, you know, that's essay, that essay information from 2019, where they say, look, look using 2019, they say that the, the youth, this is just a simple youth analysis of South Africa. Between people aged between 18 and 34 constitute a third of the population, which means we're looking at 17, 
17.84 million South Africans. Of those, 9 million are males, 8 are females. And just the, the, this is where I think the problem lies. 30% of them are based in Gauteng. Why are 30% based in Gauteng and the next uh, 19% based in KZN and places like the Western Cape? Is because what we have prioritized in South Africa, and, and I know it's a controversial point to take, but I, I'm always willing to defend it, is I think we, we have missed the mark where we have so focused on politics, which is to say, are people getting the vote? And that's a historical question, and no one could really have a problem saying we must really ensure that democracy is very entrenched in South Africa. But post that, I think we focused on things which are not economic in nature. You know, we, we're very big about, you know, people's rights, people's uh, social views, as an am I, being, am I expressed, am I represented, and those things, which I might say are important, but are secondary compared to the economy, because that's where you find that the youth are suffering. I mean, it's just unemployment in, in this country is just an absolute mess for young people. I think it stands at, what, I think, using the expanded definition for young people who have just named between the ages of 18 and 34, the number goes as high as between 30, if not 49%. Now, if you're a country that really is saying, listen, we, we are strong when it comes to leadership. We've been just strong in tackling problems of the day. And if you're not able to tackle the biggest problem of the day, which is just unemployment in general, but also its effects on young people, it says to me that as, as the youth leadership is not really concentrating on the right things. And you, you see it in how the debates go on about when it's going to June and youth month. I can tell you how it's always going to go. We're simply, we're going to go over what happened in June 16, which is an important landmark, and no one can take that away. We're going to try target and segment youth leaders or people who are called youth leaders, and I think we might need to have a debate about who constitutes a leader in South Africa. We're going to segment youth leaders from the three of the four biggest parties, get them into the room, ask them what the problems are. They're going to have a fight. They're going to tell you what's happening. But when they emanate, when they exit those rooms, virtual or otherwise, the problem is still going to be there. And if you have, you have to have a look what's happening over the last two decades. It's not as though this is a problem that has just happened now. It's a problem that's been happening over the last two decades. So if we were simply to use the metrics of employment and economic development for young people, not just in urban areas, but expand it to rural South Africa, one would say that it is a disaster. Now, are they doing well in telling people how to vote? Well, looking at the last government elections where the majority of young people decided, listen, there's no one I see who can represent me. That could also count against them because youth are basically saying, I trust none of you people, whether it's people who I view to be young and you can always decide which parties, you know, amp themselves up as being their party for the youth or whether it's the old party which has been running the country for the last two decades. Which is, those metrics alone just tell you that we have a disaster on our hands and this so-called youth leadership is not really doing anything about it. Okay, maybe it's just an issue that they cannot do anything about it. With an employment rate of 74% among youths aged 15 to 24, Bowe says youth unemployment needs to be tackled before the issue of youth leadership can be addressed. He also says youth outside of the political formations need to support each other in their constituencies and start political formations. If those contesting in local government elections seem like they are not addressing their challenges. My personal standpoint, which I think can stand to be corrected, is look, we need to identify a few things. We, there's many things we can do, but there's only a few things which we can do really well. And I've always, and I, I hang my hat on this one. We, you need, we need to wholesale focus on the, the economic question in South Africa. Over and above issues such as whether, and, I, and I'm going to be a bit flippant in saying this, whether President Jacob Zuma has gone to court or not, whether there's an RET, NET, New Door, whatever you want to call them these days, whether there's those political parties, youth need to 
in their constituencies, in their wards, need to say, listen, there is an election coming up. Can we actually get together as youth outside of our political formations and actually start asking hard questions to people who say they want to represent us at the upcoming local government election? And actually ask them, what are you actually going to do for us? You, you, you've basically seen us grow in, in our communities. You've seen the problems we're facing. What good does it do for me to vote for you and say, listen, I'm going to make you my counsel? That's the first step. Once they find that these people, and I can tell the majority of them, are not representing them, then they need to look among themselves and say, who among us can actually represent us there? And how can we hold this person accountable? Because I think that's the only thing at the moment we have. Yes, we can go on the streets, we can march, and it does for a day cause you know, problems to the governing party, or even opposition parties. But after that, what happens? And I think the best thing they can start to do is to say, listen, let's circle around this, starting with things like local government elections. Once that is done, and once I think they can show themselves in the chambers of municipalities, then they can start moving to the next election, which are general elections. And then they can actually start going into political parties. Because I'm not against political parties. I'm simply against what they currently stand for at the moment. So it basically means we need to get together and club together. And this is not a, this is not a new thing I'm saying. If you look at what happened in the pre, pre-apartheid times, when you look at the, the ANC youthic of Robert Subukwe, of people like Nelson Mandela even or Atamba, that's what they simply did. They, they decided, listen, who among us can really represent us? What's the issue we're actually coalescing around? And how do we advance it using these people? And I, I find that sometimes we don't do that. We simply get enamored by the bigness of South African politics and the constitution and whatever that means. And then we find ourselves just being sheep, being taken to the slaughter by an old generation who will always look after their own interests. So I think until we start to coalesce and start saying, listen, our issue of the day is nothing but the issue of the economy. It might mean we need to sacrifice on issues such as a democracy and representation, whatever that may mean. But if we can really get the economy well, and well means that whether you're in the free state, Limpopo, in parts of Rustenbeck or Mahikeng or parts of Wokwamaki in the township, those areas are improving. That is well for me. And I think if we start getting that mindset ready, we'll find that there are more than ready able youth to take the baton going forward. Among the leaders who led the 1976 student protest were Tietzi Mashinene, Murthy Morobe, Seth Mazibuko, and Billy Masetla. The minister says young people don't support each other and are not united like the youth leaders in 1976. The difference with the, the youth of today, I feel that young people hate themselves. I feel that there's too much hate. I feel that there's too much hate between young people uh, themselves. They don't love each other. They are their worst and each other's worst enemies. They are fighting each other every day. They are attacking each other every day. So they discourage each other. They eliminate each other. Even if you have genuine concerns and genuine WhatsApp, it is the very same young people who will attack you and discourage you. I would say it is mainly caused by the effect of the political consciousness and what unites us as young people. What brings us together? What are the objectives? What is the, the challenges and what is it that we want to achieve? So there are those who want to be rich through politics. There are those who are genuine. So we don't have a genuine core that uh, uh, guides us values. Uh, it's, it's a lack of consciousness. 
Pele says the youth of 1976 are not the yardstick we should use to measure leadership and we should refrain from comparing them to the current generation. I really don't like the comparisons that we make with the 76 generation. I don't think that they are the, the yardstick by which we measure youth leadership um, because I don't think that there's anything fundamentally different between them and every single generation of young people that has ever existed. And that's the thing about history, right, is... When we look at history, we look for the things that make us similar, um, not things that make us different. And things historically, things reflect well on us, and we're able to to find ourselves in history because of the ways in which we're similar. And so, I often push back, and we do this every Youth Day. Uh, we I push back against these comparisons to the '76 generation, as if there was something majorly special about them. Um, and my argument is that there wasn't, right? Um, every single generation has seen young people take up specific causes and, 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 and initiative and shown leadership in different ways. Um, and I think the constant comparison to the 76 generation doesn't take us forward at all. Um, young people in this generation have, in their own right, shown that they are just as capable of leading, of being activists, of being revolutionaries as every single generation before them, right? The 76th generation wasn't compared to anyone before, but that doesn't mean that they weren't youth movements and they weren't young people to compare them to. And so I think it's just an unfair comparison and it's not a necessary one. But I think we saw with Fismas Fall, and even before that, you know, the street movement in South Africa has always been something that's incredibly strong, incredibly well-versed with the, the political context that we find ourselves in, sensitive to the moments that we find ourselves in and able to organize around that. We saw it with Fismas Fall. We see it with the Rhodes Reference List movement. We see it with Rhodes Must Fall. That entire group of young people in that era, but even before, I know um, very early on in the in the 2000s, the, the end outsourcing movement at places like Fitz University, um, and even outside the student space, right? We're seeing so many formations. I mean, if you look at the Pay the Grants movement now during lockdown, that's majorly led by young people. Um, and so we're constantly finding iterations of young people who are demonstrating continuously that not only do they have the same characteristics and the same level of leadership and political awareness as the 1976 generation, but they're able to do so in a world that is far more fast-paced, far more technologically advanced, and far more hostile, I think, towards young people rising up and demanding change. And so... Yeah, and so I, I'm not sure where the, the comparisons take us. I know it frustrates me every year, and, and I always end up having a fight with people about it. But I think that for us to move forward as a country, as a society, we need to be able to take people and movements and moments for what they are and stop trying to pinpoint moments that can, can allow for comparisons to happen. Right, because whether or not our generation is like the seventy-sixth generation actually does not matter. Um, what matters is that young people are trying to find space in the political space, in in society, in communities, in business, entrepreneurship, policy, in every single space that, that demands young people be there. 
we are trying to find space and we're trying to work against a system that keeps wanting to push us out. And so maybe the conversation should then be, what is it about the older generation that is actually similar to the older generations of the 76 youth were fighting? Because I think that's a more important conversation about how just generationally we tend to replicate the things that we were fighting against um, and how do we move forward in that way rather than putting a lot of responsibility on young people to be like people before them. Bowe had similar sentiments as Pelé. He also added that the media is highlighting youth leaders in elite institutions and not leaders who are representing the youth who have never made it to a tertiary institution. I think that that's actually a very brilliant question in the sense that it really asks the question, who do you view to be leaders? And, and maybe this is where one might say you as a media play a very prominent role in who you highlight to be leaders. Look, I think, and I'll, and I'll take it backwards, looking at the, the fees must fall. I think what they stood for was important, but the question I always ask, and I think we never really got bigger debates about it, is how many people, or, or actually how many young people actually get to go to university or universities of technology? If you look at what that essay has, I think that there's a terminology they use, it's called needs, which are, which are used, which are termed as not in education, employment, and training. And I think they constitute about 46.8% of the youth population of, of South Africa, which is quite, it's quite a huge number. Now, that for me is, is a bigger question because, yes, we have to really tackle this big question of, listen, how do we... Because we all know once you get a, a diploma or a degree, it does, it does help you in the future in terms of it puts you in a better position to be able to get employment and actually create the best economic outcomes for yourself. That is important. And, and I think everybody knows that. So we can park that. But, but for me, the bigger question which was missing is to say, who's representing these people who are termed meek? People that have not gone to institutions of, of higher learning, people who are simply have just fallen out the wayside. They didn't even make it to grade 12. You know, that for me is, is, is a question which I always find is missing in the question of, yes, you can highlight the these must for leaders. And what they're doing is important. Please don't, don't uh, let, let me not get misquoted on that one. It's important. But we also have to ask the question, beyond them, the, there surely is another South Africa which we are missing. And I think that's the bigger question of who is leading those people. And I think once we can maybe get a direction as to who can lead or who's leading that population, then we can actually have a proper you know, apples and oranges type of debate about what is youth leadership in South Africa? Because I might make the argument at the moment, what we really are focusing on is an elite. Yes, they might not like the terminology, but we're focusing on an elite of youth people who have been highlighted by the media in an elite institution, which is important. But I think we need to make this a bigger question to say, listen, when issues such as fees must fall finally get sorted, as in government gets its house in order, and there's actually direction about, okay, how are we going to fund institutions of higher learning. If given, if that is sorted, what about those who have not made it institutions of higher learning? Who's representing them? And I think that's where the debate about youth leadership needs to start going. It's not to say that, listen, there's going to be one or two or three leaders. You might find there's multiple leaders in, in different facets. So I think it's upon us to really start investigating, you know, how do we actually understand who's leading these spaces? Or do these spaces actually need leaders? I think that's going to be the debate. And maybe this is where the comparison to the 1976 generation, it's important, but not important. It's important in the sense that it shows that youth agency, the ability of youth to recognize the situation and the circumstances and actually be able to say, listen, I'm making a stand, is still very important into, this, into today's society. 
However, it's not in, it, it, the problem comes in when we start to say, is this generation copying what they're doing? It's very hard for this generation because, as I said, if you're neither in employment or neither in employment or training, if you have not been given the, the, the right visibility, if even your own community sometimes looks down on you because they're like, who are you to speak when you've done nothing with your life? You know, it, it becomes a bit hard. So I think maybe we should maybe start taking nuanced, nuanced understanding of what constitutes youth leadership in today's, in today's South Africa while respecting the youth of 1976, actually asking what type of youth leadership is needed in today's situation, which is really economic in nature, I'm arguing, about taking us forward. For SABC Digital News, I'm Lebo Changela.